0: open your bibles this morning to the book of second chronicles second chronicles chapter number 15 this being the first sunday of the new year maybe it's only natural that i that i think about this this morning but Uh, The older I get, the more I realize that life is a series of of new beginnings. In in other words, our life is made up in sections like chapters in a book. And there's always a need for renewal, always a need for change, always a need to start over and, uh, and get a new beginning businessmen realize that and that's why they do things like take inventory and then they renew contracts home buyers refinance their loans couples oftentimes will renew their marriage vows and the list goes on and on of different ways in which people uh establish a new beginning that's the title of our message this morning a new beginning. In the spiritual realm, we call that what? Revival. A coming to life, a renewal. Revival is a new beginning. And that's what we're going to see in our text here this morning. And in this story, we see that the direction of an entire nation was changed as a result. You know, I think we miss a lot of important lessons by not reading some of the lesser-known portions of the Bible. And and in this chapter, we find an example of that. And there's a lot that could be said about this story. There are a lot of details that we could occupy ourselves with this morning. Uh, but I, I want you to notice that our text, verse number 8 and verse 9, it says, And when Asa heard these words... And the prophecy of Oded the prophet, he took courage and put away the abominable idols out of all of the land of Judah and Benjamin and out of the cities which he had taken from Mount Ephraim and renewed the altar of the Lord that was before the porch of the Lord. And he gathered all Judah and Benjamin and the strangers with them out of Ephraim and Manasseh and out of Simeon, and they fell to him out of Israel in abundance when they saw that the Lord his God was with him. Now I want to make sure that you get the story here without getting lost in the details. So let's go back to verse number 1. I'm going to comment very little on this, but I I, I do want to establish a foundation because we're doing something more than storytelling here. We're preaching God's Word, and if that's what we're doing, we need to see what God says. Now, notice this chapter starts by turning our attention to the prophet. Notice what it says, "...the Spirit of God came upon Azariah the son of Odeb." Acts chapter 3 and verse number 21 says, God hath spoken by the mouth of all of His holy prophets since the world began. That tells me that there has never been a time on this earth where there was not a prophet of God. Never a time that is a mouthpiece, a spokesman for God. God has always had His witness, regardless of how bad things get. Regardless of all of the compromise that we see in the world today and the heresy that's being promoted in most churches today, you mark it down, it might be out yonder in some little country church somewhere, pastored by a preacher that nobody outside the county knows anything about, but somewhere there's going to be a witness as to the truth. And here we find God raising up such a man for the hour and the needs of the people. Notice verse 2. We see the promise. And he went out to meet Asa and said unto him, Here ye meet Asa and all Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you while ye be with him. And if ye seek him, he will be found of you. But if ye forsake him... He will forsake you. That's the promise. Uh, You know, there's the good part and the bad part, but it's all true. I mean, if you, if you seek the Lord, you'll find Him. If you forsake the Lord, He'll forsake you. So this is a promise. And we need to understand that God has given certain promises to us, both the negative and the positive, concerning the manner in which we Behave and the attitude that we espouse, and and whatever we might think about it, it's going to come true. God cannot lie. Now, verse number three through verse six, we see the problem. Now, keep in mind the promise that was made, but here's the problem. Now, for a long season, Israel hath been without the true God. And without a teaching priest and without law. But when they in their trouble did turn unto the Lord God of Israel and sought Him, He was found of them... And in those times there was no peace to him that went out, nor to him that came in. But great vexations were upon all of the inhabitants of the the countries. And nation was destroyed of nation and city of city, for God did vex them with all adversity. This is the problem, and it's a serious one. Now notice the plea in verse number 7, Be ye strong therefore, and let not your hands be weak, for your work shall be rewarded. And then when we come to our text, verse 8 and 9, we see the product of this. That when they turned to God, they found God. When they obeyed God, God blessed them, and all of this constituted a new beginning for these people. And in light of that, I want you to think about three things related to a new beginning. First of all, we see the nature of life. You know, nature is a great teacher, Certainly the Bible is the absolute Word of God and we could not get along without that. But nature itself teaches us some valuable lessons. Doth not even nature itself teach you? You see, there's a lot of folks not listening. You know, that would solve a lot of issues and things concerning morality and how we ought to behave if we just look at nature. And we see a lot of people doing a lot of stuff that's contrary to nature. It's not natural. It's an abomination in the sight of God. We need to think about that. Nature is a good teacher, and it's easy to see when we look at nature that there is a natural deterioration in life. And that's true of whether you're talking about plants or animals. You know, we think about the great trees that at one time maybe provided refreshing shade for several generations, and now the tree is dead, and it's barren, and the limbs are falling off, and uh, it's deteriorated over the years. We think about animals, maybe a, a playful pet, and just abounding with energy, and the years go by, and after a while, that... That playful pet that brought you so much pleasure is laying over there in a corner near death. It has arthritis in its hips. It has a cancerous tumor. It's blind. It's no longer able to enjoy life, and to play with you and provide you pleasure. That's just part of nature, folks, is going to happen. And then there's Man. And there's a natural deterioration to life. As we get older, changes begin to take place. And we can resent it all we want to. We can fight against it all we please, but we're not going to change it. The older you get, the weaker you get, and all of a sudden you find that you can't do the things that you used to do. I for the first time in my ministry here several months ago, I, I literally had written a note of resignation, so to speak, to retire. I've never done that before. I vowed that I would never retire, but I'd reached the point that because of me, that I didn't want to be in the way of the church. And I've had to and this has been one of the battles of my life, trying to fight with this thing, realizing that I no longer can do all of the things that I used to do. I, I, I don't have it in me. And whether you consider it a blessing or a curse, Bev is mainly to the one responsible for me being here. I'll, I'll say that because I mean she stared me down and let me know in no uncertain terms, "You're not quitting. You're not giving giving up." And and uh, she uh, she just uh... now, sweetheart. Some of them might be throwing rocks at you after the service. They. <laughs> Uh, Now, I'm bringing that up for a reason because I'm telling you there's going to come a time in your life where because of your limitations and because you are worried about what other people are going to think, well, you know, he ought to do this and he ought to do that, and because of all of that, you're going to start feeling like, well, you know, I'm just kind of worthless and useless and I... let me tell you something, as long as you're here on this earth, God has a work for you to do. You might not be able to do what you used to do. You may have to change what you're doing, but there's something for you to do or you wouldn't be here. Every child of God has a ministry. And so when we look at nature, we see that there is a natural deterioration in nature. But there is also a deterioration that is caused by neglect. We can't do anything about nature, can we? We can't change that. But we can do something about the neglect. And if we're not careful, all of a sudden we'll find our spiritual life declining, our growth stopping our problems multiplying all as a result of the fact that we have neglected the most important things in life. And that brings us to the second thing this morning about a new beginning, and that's the need for renewal. We see that in relationships, don't we? Whether you're talking about family, whether you're talking about friends, uh relationships require a great deal of care and sometimes we allow our differences to divide us you know whenever a young couple is going together they're always on their best behavior i mean you know you have your uh, your hair looking just right i remember you know when bev and i was going together and i for an entire year, I skipped my last class so I could get across town over there to pick her up and I'd set out there and uh make sure that my hair was combed my shoes my shoes were shined and and she had never ever seen me <laughs> like she sees me now, you know when I get up in the morning, my hair's going in forty eleven different directions she she'd never seen me like that, you know, so what I'm saying is. Over a period of time, we begin to discover that we've got differences and they're not so pleasant sometimes. And so in order to maintain our relationships, whether as friends or whether as a spouse or whatever it is, We have to have some new beginnings. There has to be some times, you know, that we realize that yeah, you know, I have failed, but I'm going to work hard at getting this train, this train wreck back on track. We see it in relationships, but we also see it in religion. And that's where our focus is this morning, on true religion. And it's a serious problem if we allow our differences to divide us because we invite trouble into the Lord's church. If not reversed, deterioration leads to what? Death. The giant oak tree is down a storm that at one time would have not have it in the least all of a sudden now because it's dead it blows it's over and it's good for nothing but firewood i mean it's it's done deterioration leads to death in absolutely every area now listen carefully it can even lead to death in churches a church It's pictured in the Bible as being a living organism, a body, and it's subject to death. It's a sad thing whenever you see a church die. How heartbreaking it is. But this is where we've got to be careful that we don't carry the analogy of the church being like a physical body too far. You know, if we're not careful, we'll go to the extreme and we'll miss the point and, you know, come up with some weird idea that's not even intended. I say that because several years ago, a pastor that was considerably older than I was at the time, and we were talking about something, and the subject got on the Lord's church. And he brought up the fact that the Lord's church is likened unto a body. And he believed and expressed it that being like a body, that it was able to grow, but it went through seasons just like a body. You reach a point of maturity. And then after that, it begins to deteriorate. And eventually, it was all a part of the process, all a part of the plan for that church to die. I don't believe that. You see, because the church not only is likened unto a body, but it's likened unto the temple of God indwelt by the Holy Spirit. And every true church has within it the ability to rise above the difficulties of life, the ability to renew itself. John deals with that, well actually John's recording it, Jesus was dealing with it in Revelation chapter 3 in the message to the church at Sardis, that is the dying church. And the Lord warned them that they were to strengthen the things that remained. In other words, He's telling them that although your church has a reputation for being dead, it's dying There, there are some that are living, strengthen that which remains. He's wanting them to understand that it's possible for you to have a renewal, possible for you to have a new beginning. And if it was possible for them, it's possible for any other church, but it doesn't happen automatically. Revival doesn't just happen. There have been some that have written books about revival and the fact that it is God who gives revival, and they do so even to the extent that they totally ignore, at least in my way of thinking, man's responsibility. Let me tell you, only God can give revival, but understand this, He does so only when we meet certain conditions. And if we don't meet those conditions, there's not going to be any spiritual renewal God has to do it but we have to make ourselves available so we see this need for renewal and you know and sometimes it's so sad that we we are not observant and we don't see the deterioration in a church and and we wait until we've got ourselves in really serious trouble before we try to go to God in prayer and and to get a new beginning. By that, I mean that maybe the pastor is really bearing down on something, you know, and boy, week after week, he's hammering on this, and you know, somebody else that's not even thought about it all week long, and they think, well, my, you know, I don't see that problem in our church. You see, it's real easy for us to deceive ourselves and to not say anything but what we think is the good side and we don't even notice the spiritual deterioration that's going on. That's why we need to watch and pray. That's why we need to be vigilant. We need to be on our toes. We need to be considering the state of the church and realizing that what the church is is that way because of who we are as individuals. So that brings us down then to the necessity. Hopefully we see the need, but then we think about the necessity of renewal. Notice what they did, two things here. First of all, verse number 8, they removed the wrongs. They got rid of the things that were an abomination to God. Secondly, they restored the right. They rebuilt the altar so they are again back worshiping God as God told them to do. And I want you to think about those two things. Remember, we're talking about the necessity for a new beginning, and this is true of every single one of us here. If you want a new beginning in your life, these two things must happen. Number one, you have to remove the wrongs. So the question is, what wrongs can you think of? What wrongs can you think of? What things in your life that you know deep down in your heart are displeasing to God? Well, it might be personal sin. It might be a sin nobody else even knows about, but you know about it might be a sin that, you know, you've tried to deny, but deep down in your heart you know that it's really true. And I'm telling you, you've got to deal with that, and the only way to deal with it is to confess it. It might be a neglect of your responsibility. You see, there are sins of commission, and then there are sins of omission. Man, we need a traffic light in this place. I'm telling you what, there's some that need to go to the doctor and... And I don't want to embarrass anyone, but we need to, we need to get a grip on this thing of, of, anyway, you get the picture. You know, one of the worst things you can do is to interrupt a sermon by doing what I just did. But something worse than that is ignoring it and letting it just go on and on and on and on and on. What I'm trying to say is that it's real easy for us to pick and choose which sins we're going to condemn in others and even in ourself. And it's another thing for us to be honest and to admit, yeah, I have not been guilty of committing those particular sins that offend me when others do them, but I'm guilty of omitting things in my life, responsibilities that I have as a as a child of God. And it might even be it's a matter of unforgiveness. Look, there's there's no one-size-fits-all here because every situation is different. We're all different. You know... The very thing that is troubling you and hindering your spiritual growth, the very thing that's robbing you of the blessings of God, may not be a problem at all to somebody else. But it's a problem for you. And it's a problem that is different than the problem for somebody else. So I can't stand up here and give you some little magical formula that if you'll do this and you'll do that, all of a sudden you'll be back on track and everything will be all right. I can't do that because I don't know. But it just might be that you're here and your problem isn't stealing. Your problem, you know, isn't drinking, cursing, or whatever. It might be your problem is that of unforgiveness. You know, I think we'd be shocked if we knew how many people harbor bitterness in their heart toward other people. And they do so seemingly feeling justified. Because it's so easy for us to look around and to think about the faults of others. I don't know whether you noticed or not, but I hope that you were paying attention and noticed that we're talking here in this story about Judah. Now remember, there was a division within the nation and the ten northern tribes went their way and Judah, two and a half tribes, went the other direction. So there's a conflict going on within the nation that should have never existed. And that led to a lot of their problems. And finally, at long last, here we find that having received the message from the prophet of God, they are responding and they get rid of the wrongs, the things that are called abominations. And then notice... They restored that which was right. Verse number 8 again. They put away the abominable idols out of the land, notice, and they renewed the altar of the Lord. It's one thing to stop doing things that are wrong. It's another thing to start doing the things that are right. You know, we can give up this sin and that sin, and finally we've got our life all cleaned up and so forth, but we just sit on the stool of do nothing and whittle on the stick of do less, and we're not making any contribution whatsoever. You know, they could have said, look, we're going to get rid of all of these idols. There will be no idols in the land any longer. And we'll just spend all of our time fishing or whatever they might have enjoyed they not only took care of the negative problem but also took positive steps to do what was right and renewed the altar of the lord and began to worship god and folks i'm telling you that if you want a new beginning in your life and i don't know anyone that doesn't need one if you don't need it today you'll need it tomorrow Our life ought to be made up of these different chapters, and every day there has to be a time of spiritual renewal in our life. It's kind of like riding a bicycle. You can't stand still. You'll fall over. As long as you're going, as long as you're moving, then you're able to stay on track. But the very moment you stop growing spiritually, you're going to fall makes no difference who it is. That's just as true of me and Brother Kenneth as it is of you. And that's why I'm saying that every day of your life, there needs to be this new beginning in your life, this renewal, a a personal revival. One of the interesting things about this to me is found there in verse number 9 where it says, "...and he gathered all Judah and Benjamin." and the strangers with them out of Ephraim. In in other words, we find here that Asa gathered all of them together and he is communicating to all of the people what is in his heart and what God has been doing. You know, sometimes all it takes for a church to experience a, a, a revival is for some one person to express their intent, their desire. We talk about making New Year resolutions. We resolve that we're going to do this or we're going to do that. Listen, I'm telling you, there is great power in your testimony, believe it or not. And whenever we stand up and we publicly declare, as it were, our intention to get rid of all of the excess baggage in our life and to focus entirely on God and to serve Him with all of our heart, Fire begets fire, and it only takes a spark to get a fire going. And you'd be amazed at the influence that you can have in somebody else's life simply by expressing the desire of your heart. It doesn't have to be in a public meeting like this. It might be in a coffee shop. It might be that you're at church camp. It might be at a winter retreat where all of a sudden you begin to speak, I mean really speak seriously with people that, well, you know, you've been friendly to them. You see them every week, but you haven't really listened to them. And all of a sudden they begin to just lay bare their heart and what God's doing in their life. And all of a sudden you begin to realize, wow, wow. That's that's what I need. That's what's been missing in my life. And, and I'm telling you that you have that same ability. Sometimes it might be the wife expressing to her husband or the husband or the wife as they converse about spiritual things and just pour out the desire of their heart. What I'm trying to say is that whenever you reach that point in your life that you're willing to remove those things that you know are wrong, you're willing to restore those things that you know are right, you're willing to start a new beginning in your life. And whenever you express that to other people, all of a sudden, their life will begin to change. Now... Many years ago, Helen Steiner Rice, who was maybe my favorite poet of all time, wrote this. She said, How oft we wish for another chance to make a fresh beginning, a chance to blot out our mistakes and change failure into winning. And it does not take a new year to make a brand new start. It only takes the deep desire to try with all our heart to live a little better and to be always be forgiving and to add a little sunshine to the world in which we're living. So never give up in despair and think that you are through, for there's always a tomorrow and a chance to start anew. You know, as much as I love that poem, as as good as it is in the point that it makes, it's not altogether true. You'll notice that she closed it by saying there's always a tomorrow, always a chance to start anew. And that's not true for some folks. You see, there are some folks that have wasted away their opportunities. There are some folks that because of their attitude of rebellion against God, they've reached a point of of no return. By that, I do not mean that God won't forgive them if they confess. He will. But I mean that it's possible for us to do things that we cannot undo. That's why it's so dangerous for us to presume on God. So dangerous for you to sit there and for you to think, you know, in your heart, I know Brother Stone is right. I know what he's saying is true. I need a revival in my life. I need a new, fresh beginning. But now's not really a good time. And you begin to presume that God's going to give you another opportunity. And He might. And he might not. Take advantage of that opportunity. And here as we launch off into this new year, whatever it is, whatever it takes for you to experience a new beginning in your spiritual life, you need to take care of business this morning. And if you're here and you've never received Christ as your Savior, that's the first order of business. It's not to, you know, I several years ago talking to a fellow is I think Blue Ridge Baptist Church in Kansas City, and and the preacher Parker Daly had been talking to this fellow about his need to be saved, and this fellow loved to drink. And he told Brother Dale, he said, look, I know you're right, and as as soon as I can give up drinking beer, he said, I'm going to become a Christian. You don't have to give up drinking beer to become a Christian. You don't have to quit cussing to become a Christian. You don't have to stop stealing to become a Christian You'll stop all of that because you become a Christian. Amen. And so many people have it in their mind that I, I know the preacher's right. I know I need to be saved. I need to be a Christian. I realize that, but it would be so hard because I don't think I can give up those things. Forget about all of that stuff. You let God take care of that and believe me, He will. And your major need is to not stop drinking, not stop stealing. Your major need is to stop trampling underfoot the precious blood of the Son of God and trust Him as your Lord and your Savior. And you talk about a new beginning? Wow, you've never experienced anything like that. The Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. And I'm so glad that I can look back to that time and that place where I trusted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And ever since then, it's just been one experience after another of not me doing for Him, but just watching Him do for me and change me little by little and moment by moment. And that's exactly what He wants to do for each and every one of us. And I hope you'll you'll give Him that privilege, as it were, this morning, and put your trust in the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and become a child of God. We're going to stand and extend this invitation this morning. We have for many of you a big surprise in just a little bit because we're going to be having two baptisms and uh in fact i I'm going to let Brother Kenneth go ahead and take over the invitation, and as these young ladies come forward, he's going to tell you who they are and and let you know kind of what's going on because uh Talking about that stage of getting older and what have you. I got some stairs to climb, and uh, what's what's that old song? I got a long ways to go and a short time to get there. So, Brother Kenneth, come on, and I'm going to go get ready for the baptismal service. Page four hundred and thirty.